0: Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect.
1: And this is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. We've got a couple of interviews. We're going to be talking about a thing called GalaxyCon, which is an online Comic-Con. We have a Q&A for you this week. So stand by, got a lot of great information, and on to the news.
2: Today's news is brought to you by Stephanie Schmidt Photography. Stephanie Schmidt Photography specializes in professional headshots, lifestyle images, and high school senior portraits. Visit SherwoodPortraits.com to learn more and to schedule your next photo shoot. What's in the news?
1: Warner Brothers tenant delayed. Yeah, this is kind of a bummer, but it's not something that I find as a big surprise. Normally on user-friendly here, we do movie reviews. It's been part of what we do, and we haven't had any to review for a while. We've done some television stuff and that type of thing. But Tenet was supposed to be the big blockbuster that was going to bring everybody back into theaters. Well, the theaters haven't reopened in most places. It's uh, been postponed twice. It was going to be August 12th, I think, finally, that it was going to come out. And now Warner Brothers is saying it has no release date for the moment. We're still going to see it. The weird thing about it is is this one probably will now debut overseas before it does in the United States. And they aren't alone. I mean, we've had no real new movie content in a long time. There's been a few independents, some of them pretty good, but none of the big Hollywood things like we normally do. So it'll be interesting to see where we go with this. Uh, Hamilton went straight to streaming on Disney+. Plus. That was going to be another release this summer, and that seems to have done pretty well on the streaming platform. But it is definitely very, very different. High-profile Twitter accounts hacked. Last week, if you followed any of these people, you probably got a tweet that they were wanting you to send money to a Bitcoin account and if you did you would get twice as much back. Okay, that's red flag number 1. And yeah. who this came from was some very high profile accounts, Jeremy, like you said, uh, Bill Gates, um people like that, the head of Amazon, uh I mean, you know, you were looking at this across the board a number of different companies, Apple Computer is a for example. So the question about this is, what happened? And did Twitter get hacked? And digging into this a little bit deeper, they haven't given an official final, this is what happened yet. But it looks like the compromise happened from the bad guys being able to get to some of the employees working at Twitter. Now, there's a couple of different claims on this. That One is they hired some people that acted for them and allowed them to get access to these different things, these different accounts. The other one is is that there was some kind of social engineering And they fell for it. But whatever the case may be, this was enough of an attack that they were able to get behind the normal security protocols and get into the accounts that way. And one of the other things that's very interesting is it looks like the amount of money that was scammed was somewhere around $100 uh, that went to Bitcoin and uh, will never be seen again.
0: COVID-19 tracing being proposed from wearable devices. Okay, this sounds kind of creepy. Yeah, it is a little bit.
1: And you know, before I get into the specifics on the technology, this has been a concern going on is contact tracing and privacy. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we covered that Google and Apple had come out with some apps for their phones to be able to do this, but they've had a very hard time getting them adopted or getting people to use them. And unfortunately, I think this is going to be another thing like that. And the reason I say unfortunately, I am a privacy advocate, but contact tracing is something that's very important to getting the virus under control. Um, The capability here is that what they want to do is start cataloging the different things that are monitored, the metrics for health, if you wear, from smart devices. So Apple Watch, Fitbit, these kind of things can give you different things like uh, blood levels and, and stuff of that nature. Your pulse rate and all of that. And some of those are characteristic of certain symptoms of COVID-19. And what they want to do is be able to use that to build out a scenario. So what they're doing is a study to see if this works. Right now it's completely voluntary. If you want to be able to participate in it, you can. In fact, Gretchen, I'll get you to put that out on social media and, uh, you know, how to do it if you want to. They are keeping the results private and that type of thing, uh, during the test phase. But again, it's just part of battling this thing. And since we don't really have a complete path to be able to deal with it, there's a lot of different people trying to do a lot of different things. This study, I think, is done for the right reasons. But again, from a privacy standpoint, there's a lot that could go wrong with having that kind of information if it's not protected and used for the right reasons.
2: Citroen releases a tiny electric car.
1: Yeah, doesn't that name mean lemon? Yes yeah okay so yeah, just 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 yeah, saying yeah. <laughs> yeah you know um <laughs> anyway so this is actually kind of a cool thing uh it's a uh very small car uh right now designed to be used in uh europe they're releasing them in france first it's a completely electric car some of the positives on it is it'll charge off a regular wall outlet and it charges oh, wow. in, in, in three hours so you've got some really kind of uh neat stuff there. The uh, negative is, is your range is only about 43 miles. So it's not something you would ever go for a long haul trip in. It wouldn't go that far. But if you're commuting to work and back or to the store or driving around town, this actually is something that's very clean and good to use. One of the other things that's kind of interesting about it when I was reading through this is the fact that the car is so small at about eight horsepower that you don't have to have a license there to drive it, so young children can use it and all that kind of stuff safely. And the other thing that I think is kind of neat about this is it's an access to transportation for a lot of people that might not be able to afford it, being that the monthly lease rate on it is $22. Oh, geez, okay. So This would
0: be terrific in big cities like New York, San Francisco, Seattle, you know, where you have a lot of congestion and that people maybe
1: stay within the city boundaries a lot. Yeah, it is uh, definitely, you know, got its place. And I think the same thing too, because a lot of our driving, the majority of it isn't long haul, it's running the errands, commuting to work, that kind of thing. And it makes sense. Their attitude, according to the company's press release, is Tesla and companies like that are going high-end cars down. They figured they'd start at the lower end market and work their way up. And it seems like something that's a A good idea. Now, the car is very basic. Uh, For example, you don't have door handles. It's a, a, a fabric pool to open the door from the inside of the car. And it does have a speedometer gauge, but there's no other instrumentation. But it has a slot for your smartphone so you can run an app, and that's how you get the other details. So, conceivably, it could have navigation and all of that kind of stuff, but it's kind of you bring your own technology, and the car drives you around, and that's all it does, and that's all it's designed to do. Solar power experiments start to produce energy from the
0: non-visible light spectrum. I think this sounds really cool to me about it. (laughs) So
1: renewable energy, just to give some context on this, has been growing by leaps and bounds. Solar collectors, solar panels, the technology improves, continues to improve. What you can do with a solar collector today versus 10 years ago is absolutely phenomenally more. And as the technology continues to improve, they're looking at other things. And one of them is the limitation that right now the energy being picked up is mostly on the visible part of the light spectrum, which means a lot of energy is actually coming into the solar cells that's not being utilized. And what they're looking to do is be able to harness that section of the spectrum, which would allow for power generation more at night, in cloudy conditions, and also be able to better utilize the sunlight when it has regular sunlight. So when you look at this, the idea is that we want more and more to be able to have energy sources and energy sources that don't uh, bring you things like fossil fuels and that type of thing that we're trying to move away from. And this is one of them. I think one of the other cool things that I saw about this is the Notre Dame Cathedral in France uh, that had the fire. They're actually looking at doing a new roof that's all solar collectors. It would look very similar to the original roof but using these type of technologies. And as we're seeing this more and more, and as the ability and the capability of the solar collection and other renewables begins to increase and continues to, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing to see what we can do with it. But there is a whole area of light that we cannot see that is energy that can be utilized if they're able to work the technology out to be able to do it. While we're still dealing with the fact that we aren't able to really go to events safely yet and the big events are still canceled because of the virus, we kind of stumbled upon an interesting thing called GalaxyCon, which is an online comic con that spans multiple weekends. Today, they're doing a thing on Star Trek The Next Generation as a live experience. Tomorrow is something called RWBY Ruby Rose. And these are all kind of interesting ways to be able to see different things that you wouldn't normally be able to see online. So, Jeremy and Gretchen, what do you think about the idea of an online
2: Comic-Con? Well, you're obviously going to miss the crowds. But I mean, if you don't like the crowds, then this sounds great. Yeah, well, even if you do like the crowds, it's something to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, well, it's something worth checking out, you know, Uh, especially who wants to sit
1: home and feel depressed, you know? It's like, go and check some of this stuff out. Absolutely. And it's actually a little more than just something else to do. They've kind of brought some cool things to it. I know when we were talking to Wizard World earlier in the year, they had fan experiences with celebrities that you actually wouldn't be able to get at a physical Comic-Con. So, it is actually something that's out there to do. They've got live streaming Q&As, one-on-one video chats. And if you've missed something, you have the ability to go back and watch most of it. So that's kind of cool, too. It's almost an on-demand thing. Some of it's free. Some of it has some very reasonable cost associated with it, at least I thought so, to be able to see different things. So it's worth doing. So we're going to be talking about this. This spans multiple weekends and will be upcoming. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be picking up something we left off on a couple of weeks ago, and that is our discussion on Lord of the Rings. Jeremy and Gretchen, take it away. Hey there. Okay. Um. Well, the la- last part
0: we were discussing... Um, we're getting to Rivendell. But we hadn't gotten there yet. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So anyways, um, really, it's fascinating to think about the comparisons between the movie and the books. Yes. And I think a lot of it, uh, the movie is that they are trying to gear it to appeal to a broader audience mm-hmm. because in the books, we don't even really hear anything about Arwen. No. Uh, that's, um uh, Elrond's daughter, the beautiful, uh, elf, um
2: princess yeah i'm mm-hmm. not sure what she love is, interest but, for aragorn
0: yeah but she's absolutely gorgeous and um i think in the movies they wanted to have that beautiful romantic love interest yeah and they wanted her to be seen earlier in the story right so we hardly see any of her but who we do see more of in the book is bilbo mm-hmm. uh bilbo is very present at Rivendell, and they spend a lot more time there um they uh, they have a party. They do singing and they uh, do poetry.
2: It's a whole bunch of elf, cool elf things that you know we just don't do.
0: Yeah, and then so they spend a lot more time at Rivendell, unlike in the movies.
2: Yeah. See the the timeline in the movie seems like it, it's like they're they they go and they, they there's the fellowship it forms over a couple of days and then they're at Rivendell for a couple of days and then they're traveling for like a week maybe. So, you know, the timeline is is odd and doesn't make sense. But it's, in the book, it's months. Months. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a long. This is a long journey. Um, Boromir also seems very different in the book. Boromir, Boromir in the movie almost seems. Um,
2: well. He, could just okay, he, he's very proud of his family and doesn't believe that that uh, Minas Tirith needs a king because his father is doing just fine as regent. And uh, in the in the book, obviously, it's quite different.
0: Yeah, he's a lot more modest. And he um, seems to be more in tune with the idea of who Aragorn is in the book. So there isn't any kind
1: of rivalry going on there. Um, so that's the act- di- that's different from the movie. And I know last week when we were talking about this or last time when we were talking about this a little bit. One of the things you brought up is that there are a lot of key differences between what you're seeing in the books and the movies. And I know you've been touching upon that a little bit.
0: Yeah. What, what else have you seen? Okay, so like, Boromir was trying to hint that maybe they should be using the ring. And remember the scene where uh, I think it was Gimli takes his axe and he hits the ring? in the movie destroyed (laughs) that doesn't happen
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's something really different in the in the movie well yeah you have to it's a visual art form and they're trying to tell the story so you have all the everybody starts arguing and everything and then Frodo focuses on the ring and he can see the the ring is like you can hear the the voice of of Sauron going in the background you can see fire and everything and you're like Wow, that's really cool. But that doesn't happen in the book. <laughs> yeah, but the thing—it's the difference between telling a story and watching a story. Yeah, and if that—that scene wasn't there to push everything forward, because it didn't—it it didn't have to cut out something to put something else into the thing. So, <laughs> and
0: then uh, we have a, a, a there's a travel scene in the books into the mountains. Uh, I believe the mountains are called Karahadras. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sure there's some Lord of the Lots Rings of snow ed, uh, experts are probably wanting to correct me right now. Sure. Uh, but these this particular mountain scene is not in um, really in the in the movie. It's okay. just shown very shortly, and it implies that Saruman yeah. is the reason for the the, the, uh, the heavy snow that comes down and everything. But the books almost imply that it is the mountain itself, like the mountain has a spirit. Right. That it does not want these people traveling on it, Mm. you know, and it even almost implies that perhaps this mountain spirit could be aligned with Sauron. Right. Possibly. So, it's very different. And so, there's a lot of uh, things that happen in there. Where Aragorn and Boromir work really hard to help them back down off of the mountain, uh, and uh, Legolas can you know
2: he can walk on. He's the just an elf. He's just you know he's so light and free. He's just walking across the snow. But
0: they actually have the humans carry uh, the um, the hobbits, hobbits. That would make sense because they're small, yeah. right? And the snow has gotten really deep. So there are things that happen. Um, also, another character who's very different. And I remember this one watching the film going, why is Gimli so comedic? He wasn't comedic at all in the books. He's the very typical, very uh, stern, serious, stern, stern dwarf, dwarf, dwarf yes. in the books. He, 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 he's not humorous at all. And we don't really see the rivalry, uh, the French friendly rivalry that mm-hmm. happens between Legolas and Gimli. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in the um, in the books. Gimli's still there; he's still an important person, but uh, his character is very different. Also, the mines of Moria; uh, those scenes are very different. It, they, they were in there for a lot longer. Matter of fact, I think they. I'm not sure whether they spend two nights in the mines. They sleep in there. Right. Right. And um, there's a scene where Gandalf, uh, where they're trying to escape, and Gandalf's trying to seal a door. From the chamber where uh, the, um, the Balin was? was oh,
2: the, the tomb. The tomb. Yeah. See, in, in the movie, there was only one door to the tomb. And it was kind of, it was a wooden door and it was kind of then hacked apart.
0: Right, and there was a well in there that yeah. didn't happen either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the, and then he gets mad at, at Pippin. That doesn't happen. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are different in the books. And it's not like the books are are bad or the the movie is bad. They're just different. And it's a, a different way
1: of explaining the story. And it does seem like with Lord of the Rings especially, I know it would have been a big deal to be able to put that together, but you do have differences between something you would read and the mm-hmm. idea of visual storytelling. I don't think it makes either one bad, and I don't think either one's no. really right or wrong from that context. But like you say, it is a different way of doing it, and it allows you to enjoy it from a different situation, different mindset, if you will. Yeah you know, when you're looking at it. So, well, that's great, guys. Thank you. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the section where we answer your questions. Send them in 503-766-6264 on social media, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We take all of your questions and use some of them on the air. And what is our first question this week? Our first question is, how much is the personal air conditioner? So this is a story we covered a couple of weeks ago. It's a product made by Sony and it's actually a wearable air conditioner. They seem to work pretty well. The uh, ratings so far since the product has come out have been about three and a half stars. So it gives you an idea. It yeah. uh, is able to cool your body down about eight degrees. It seems to be what they're actually able to do. And That'd they run nice. about 130 bucks. Huh. I am a senior. Should I have a home security system? Yeah, the short answer to this is yes, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't think I it ma- matters terribly if you're a senior. Seniors should have them, but everybody really should. It is a one in three chance. It's more likely that a house will get broken into if it does not have an electronic security system. And with all that's going on in the country right now, it's good to have this extra layer of security. The other thing that's a little bit scary when I was doing some research on this topic to find the answer to the question is that they're finding that a lot of seniors are home when they're having Mm break-ins. And what's happening is, is because uh, seniors specifically You know, are retired, and right now we've had stay-at-home orders, so they're home a lot more maybe than normal. Everybody is, but they may not hear as well. You know, some of those type of things. People are breaking into houses anyway, and that it's it's bad enough to get a break-in if you're not home, but if you are there, it can be really scary and have some really bad repercussions. So, having the alarm system to let you know that there's a problem and having it monitored so that the police can be contacted is a very very good idea, and they're not that expensive to put in anymore. It's not like it used to be with wireless systems and everything else that's out there. If you have a little bit of technical know-how, you can do it yourself. If not, you can have someone do it. But it's not anywhere near as complicated as it used to be. What is Cloudflare? This question has come in because last week we had a massive breakdown (laughs) of Cloudflare. And it affected a number of different websites. There was concern that the internet was being attacked. It wasn't. But the question is, is what is Cloudflare? And What it is, is that bigger websites and some smaller ones use a number of different layers to make the website itself actually work. So you have the content level like everybody does, but then you have systems and services that run on top of it to do different things. And in the case of Cloudflare, it's primarily a service to prevent against what are called distributed denial of service attacks, or DDoS is the acronym for that. And it's a great system. I've used it. I highly recommend it. Uh, there are some competitors out there that are good to do the same thing, but the problem is, is it becomes a choke point. So when their system started having problems, it affected everybody that they were, uh, using to run through. And that was a lot of the higher end, higher capacity and bigger websites that are out on the internet. And as a result, it looked like there was this network wide failure when in fact it was one choke point that was having problems. And it took them about two days to get it fixed. And once they did, everything went back to normal. So, Nobody was attacking the internet. It was definitely a problem internally. But one that I think needs to be rethought in engineering because you really don't want a choke point anywhere on your website. Agreed. Do I need a desk jet or a laser printer for my home office? Yeah, this came in with a lot more people working at home right now. It's actually can be somewhat difficult to get some of these devices. Uh, Best Buy was sold out of things like webcams uh, for a while. The printers. Uh, are the same kind of thing. There's more available. I look at it from this standpoint. What it comes down to is money and really what your needs are. Deskjet printers have been around for a long time. They're a great format. They do have some negatives in the sense that your ink can dry out if you don't use them a lot. Uh, that seems to yeah. be the one big complaint with them. The other side, It's especially a problem in dry climate. Yeah, dry climates. You see this a yeah. lot more. And in a lot of places, if you just don't use them that often, The other thing of it is, is if you do get a desk jet printer and you want one with color, it's better to get one that uses separate color cartridges instead of one universal one. And the reason for that is if you run out of one color of ink, you can replace it. You don't have to replace everything. The one downside to that is, is most desk jets will prime after you put a cartridge in and that can end up using a lot of ink. So there's pluses and minuses to this. A laser printer uses dry ink for one thing, so you don't have the problem with it drying out because it's toner. Um, However, they do tend to cost a lot more. They've come down in price a lot since they used to be. I just had to replace mine. I was on a desk jet. I was very happy with it for many years, but I finally had the problem where one of the ink cartridges dried out and it just corrupted the whole thing. So I switched to a laser printer. It was a little bit more money, but it's also worked out great for me. So it basically comes down to what you need with those kind of of circumstances. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now,
3: reporter Steve Mailer. Well, thanks again, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen. I'm talking with a friend who I have been working with on and off since around 2009 here in Northern Nevada. His name is Frank Stanton. Frank, welcome to User-Friendly 2.0, the radio show. Well, thank you, Steve. So you and I started working together back at the wonderful building of AT and T, and what we were doing there was uh, helping some rather upset people troubleshoot their DSL internet service. Do you? I, I love that job. You, you know what? It. I I loved parts of that job. I loved <laughs> the helping the people. I loved the technical aspects of the job. You know, it actually taught me about some basic networking. What, what were some of the things that you picked up from doing AT and T?
4: Well, <laughs> I. Uh... You, of course, you know, working in that job was was, uh, was really kind of really kind of interesting because I hadn't ever done that. that sort that's of one before, word even, for it. Even though I was a broadcaster for 20 years before that. Okay. Oh, that is it. Uh, See, that's, you yeah, just I, taught me I something got, new. I got the job because my, my web design business crashed along with everybody else's back then. So, I did yeah. that job. Well, and yeah. I, what I really enjoyed about it was… Um, it, uh, you so, sure you learn a lot about networking and that sort of thing, and and you know AT&T's priority stuff that that you had to learn, and all the equipment. Right. What I enjoyed about it most was was getting you know Grandma in in yes. in Arkansas, whose <laughs> internet had just dropped out, getting her back online before her souffle came out of the oven over there on Cafe World.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, how many how many people were you yelled at and screamed at i mean did you realize that when we were doing that job that we were essentially earning our phd's in psychological counseling you know i, I you know
4: i i only had just a few that i couldn't talk really? off
3: the talk off the ledge
4: yeah the thing is you know the thing is if if you run into somebody like that who's you know they've been on the line for how long waiting for somebody to pick up too long and they're not happy anyway no I found that uh, a lot of times, just listening to them, yeah, um, you know, and 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 someplace in there in their rant, you're going to find a place that that you can something you can help them with. Yeah, something you can and connect to, even if it's just a small thing. Yeah, yeah. And no, then you can talk them off the ledger. And If you can get them to laughing, then you're then you're <laughs> in good shape. And I had fun with that.
3: Well, I remember basically, I remember from what some of our training was was mm-hmm. it wasn't just listening; it was active listening, so that you're you're really responding to them in the way that they know that you're hearing what they're mm-hmm. saying, that they don't just feel like they're talking to someone who doesn't care about mm-hmm. what's going on for them right now. And, and, and unfortunately, by the time they got to us, they had spoken to several people who didn't really seem to care about what was going on or couldn't help them.
4: So, well, that's right, because they were on a, the, the people on the other end are in a, on a time thing. They've got to right. you know, get this over and finish
3: so they can take another call. Exactly. And, uh, I, never, I never played that game. I didn't I just either. I wouldn't let that happen. I didn't either, and it didn't get in my way, to, to be quite honest. So then after AT&T, you did a, a similar, I think it was a call center job that you ended up working for the Veterans Administration.
4: Well, actually, it was, it was, that was live. That was right up in front of what they called the front line on primary care. Oh, and you know, I used a lot of the things that I, I picked up at AT and T there because there again, you're not only talking to people who are who are a little bit upset after having to stand in line, but uh, they're also trained in in hand to hand combat and weaponry. Yikes! <laughs> so, Yikes! So you have to you have to learn how to deal with those wow. guys. And I think I think during that whole time, I think maybe maybe. Three people out of the whole five years I worked for for eight for uh, the VA, uh-huh. uh, I wasn't able to talk somebody off uh, you know out of the out of the thing and getting them down to, to you know if and making them laugh, you know. Wow! And when they're laughing, then they feel good when they go yes. in to see the doctor. So okay. that, you know, so it was pretty much the same thing. It was talking people off the ledge.
3: That you know, that's an interesting way of phrasing it. Um, so, in addition to the tech support stuff that you've done, you also you mentioned previously that you have a side business as a Stanton Creative. Tell us mm-hmm. about that business. I've been doing that
4: since 1994.
3: Quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Al I, Gore and I, Al Gore and I, invented the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the other guy. I was. The I other knew guy. he didn't do it by himself. There's no way.
4: Yeah, okay. Every, every time you turn around, there's something. you can look oh up God. if you're if you're designing websites, and I've got thirty of them up on my servers right now. Okay. Um I, I every time you turn around there's something else you have to learn. So I'm I'm taking advantage of this this kind of break that we're having and right. everything going on because of the COVID situation. I'm taking advantage of that to learn some new techniques that I had always been meant, you know, had been, been meaning to learn but had just, had, just hadn't haven't had, had, the had the time, time to do it. Time. So I'm taking myself to school.
3: So you're not only developing or designing the websites, you also host them. I sure do. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that is very cool. So with yeah. some of the tools that you have, you know, what are some of the tools that you use to do website development? Are, are you a WordPress guy? Oh no. No, I, I for some reason, you know, WordPress and I'll I'll tell you the
4: difference. WordPress is all right. Okay. I I deal mostly with Joomla. Okay. And because Joomla is a a, it's a content management system just like just like WordPress is, except with Joomla, I can build a site for somebody, and then I can take them in the back end, and whether they've had any experience with doing web work or not, I can take them into the back end of a Joomla site, and show them, show them, give them a little instruction, and they can go in there and change, you know, change a word or change something. It's just like working with a word processor in the back of Joomla. Where if you start playing around with WordPress, that is a, you know, there's a lot of people that have trouble with that. A bit and of a not steeper not learning curve not on to that. Mention somebody somebody that, that, that doesn't have any experience in coding because that's okay. a mess.
3: Wow. Okay. So you you basically enable a lot of your clients to do like oh, sure. sort of so, like self-service sure. updates. Like if they want to add I, a photo or a video or something. Yeah. I teach them how teach to do them. that because yeah, there's so cool. there's no sense in, and I haven't figured out
4: a way to to charge somebody for, for 30 seconds worth of work. You know, he needs a <laughs> ch- word change or something. so, so I, I teach them how to do okay. that. If they need something more, if they need like another uh, uh you know, another uh, application or something put in the back of the back of the site so he can do something else. Sure. That that's when we get into charging. I have a few that that uh, that pay me uh, a maintenance fee every every month just to make sure that the site is running fine. Okay. And uh, one of those by the way is the uh is the Communication Workers of America site here in uh, in Reno, and I've I've built that and have been maintaining it now since what two thousand eight two thousand seven. Oh, wow, like quite a while.
3: So yeah, they some, pay me yeah. to
4: take care of it because then they don't have to worry about it. Nice. Well, you know, but it's, the, I only charge them an hour hours worth of my time every month, which is oh, you know, that's, which is pretty 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 simple, really. Okay.
3: Sometimes so
4: sometimes the work is more than that. Sometimes it's less, but it all evens out.
3: Okay. So let me um, let me ask real quickly because we're almost out of time. What are some of like the voiceover work that you've done through Stanton Creative?
4: Uh, well, through Stanton Creative, you know, I, I I've done a lot of local and regional stuff here. You know, I did. Uh, in fact, if people want to go to my website, they can see a list of stuff I've done. But before that, when I was in broadcasting, um, I did. I was the national voice for uh, for Safe Light Auto Glass and uh, Shepler's Western Wear and Christian Brothers Wines.
3: Okay. So, some well-known, so, you know, well-known pieces. That, so, what is, oh, yeah. what is the website for your business? My, my website
4: is stantoncreative.com.
3: Easy enough. stantoncreative.com. Well, mm-hmm. you're a man of many talents, Frank, which doesn't surprise me. And I, I certainly appreciate you being a guest here on User Friendly. And we'll catch up with you soon as the summer progresses and things keep moving onward, okay? Thank you, Steve. And you guys have a good day and everybody stay safe. You too. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, take it away. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break.
1: Welcome back. Great show this week. You know, it's interesting to talk about books and movies like Lord of the Rings because There's so many different ways to be able to appreciate that type of literature. And it seems like every time you reread them, you pick up something else. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I've just enjoyed that. He had to invent it all himself. Yeah. That's part of it. And it completely, uh, you know, completely uh, brought up and brought in that way. And just the idea of the differences that you see when you're having to tell a story one way versus another. But uh, no, but I think it's great. One of the other things I'd like to talk about is our Tech Wednesday segments. We have a Tech Wednesday blog over at TheAnswerPortland.com, which every week we look upon something with technology, news headlines. And this past week, we were talking about something called Next Gen TV. And I haven't seen a lot of information on this out there. But being that it affects anybody that's using on-air TV next Tuesday, I think it is something important to consider. Hmm, And what it is, is there's a lot more detail on this on the blog, but what it is... Is that digital television when it came out, like any other technology has different revisions and they continue to upgrade it. And Tuesday in the United States, we're moving to version 3.0. Now it is backward compatible. So for the next five, or uh, the technology itself is not, but what they're requiring is backward compatibility to say it right for for the next five years. So they're going to continue to use both formats. But what's happening is they're changing some of the frequencies that the original format's running on. So. You may see something where a television station disappears. And even if you don't, it's a good idea to rescan. And it's a good idea to rescan anyway because new channels are always being added and offered and that kind of thing. So that is what that is basically about. Now, some of the new features that are being brought out in this new version, uh, which is officially called ATSC 3.0 or Next Gen TV is how we refer to it, is the ability to have multiple channels of surround sound beyond what they have now ultra hmm. high definition broadcast, that type of thing. It has a variable bit rate, but some of the other more interesting technologies is internet and television have always been somewhat exclusive of each other. And they're talking about the capability of being able to deliver internet content and have two-way communications. Now that can add some great new features, uh interactive <laughs> yeah. television that can also bring some security problems, you know, so it's... Um, to, and some privacy problems. Some privacy issues. Yeah. And this is This is the concern because if you have a television that's two-way. Now, we've seen this with smart TVs through apps and that type of thing. There's definitely using the internet, a back channel there to be able to get back out to the internet. We've seen some of this with our security cameras and respect that they've been hacked every so often and the bad actors can get in and that type of a thing. And kind of bringing this to standard television has that side of it. But any new technology is like that. You have A lot of kind of cool new things that you can do, but you also have the issue of making sure that it's secure and kind of working through all of that. So you need to rescan for channels. In the next five years, you're going to need to update your antenna because the old ones won't work for this new format. But for right now, that's where it is. Get the additional information on our Tech Wednesday blog at The Answer Portland. And until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping
2: you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host, and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc., or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at answerportland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.